Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. We're going to talk today about the Holy of Holies. Oh, don't we want to be in His presence? Don't, don't we just really want to be in the inner presence of God? I'm thankful for the process. I'm thankful for the outer gate. Oh, I'm so thankful for the altar. But I don't want to live every Sunday at the altar if I can get farther. I, we've got to get beyond every Sunday having to... There's more to life than just falling over the same thing time after time after time. We can live above sin, not by your own ability, but through the power of God. And this is where the culmination of the type and shadow we've been speaking to for weeks. If you've missed this series, maybe you're newer, you've started in the last couple weeks, you can catch it all on the podcast uh, or online. There's a few different venues that you can catch up from this series. Exodus 26. They're going to put it on the screen. If you do not have a Bible with you, that's okay. Starting at verse 31. Exodus 26 and verse 31. And thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen of cunning work with cherubims shall it be made I want those cherubims to be skillfully worked into it thou shalt hang it upon the four pillars of shidem wood overlaid with gold their hooks shall be of gold upon the four sockets of silver and thou shalt hang up the veil under the tax that thou mayest ark that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony, and the veil shalt divide unto you between the holy, between the holy, overemphasis here, between the holy and the most holy. Hmm. Thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the ark, Because you can have holy, but you can't have most holy without mercy. And how many times have we seen that mixed up? Well, we're worried about we're worried about being holy. We better be holy. But we can't be most holy minus mercy. Man, I feel a little witness of the Holy Ghost here right now. Verse 35, and thou shalt set the table without the veil and the candlestick over against the table on the other side of the tabernacle toward the south. Put the table on the north side. The holy of holies is what we're preaching about. Would you just pray right where you're at? Would you lift your, maybe lift your hands and lift your voice and pray that God would do his perfect work here today. I'm going to turn my microphone off. I want you to just pray. Lift your voice. Come on, prayer warriors, help us right now.
Yeah, 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 yeah. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated today. What a journey we've been on trying to get to the most holy place. What a journey we've all been on long before this series ever began. There is a difference, brother. Ross and I were talking about this just the other day. They're kind of working on this in one of their men's Bible studies. The difference between the perfect will of God and the permissive will of God. It is important that we understand the holy place represents power. But there was something beyond the veil. There was something beyond the veil that we need to work towards today. We have been in agreement over the last several weeks that God has more for us. When I am praying with an individual, whether it be the altar, many of you I've prayed with you, you have heard me say these words. They have been uh, something normative for me and become a part of almost my prayer DNA, as it were, when I'm speaking and praying with other people. I pray these words, God, I do not want to settle for less than everything you have for me. How many would, in agreement with me, you would say, I don't want to settle for less in my family. I don't want to settle for less in my marriage. I don't want to settle for less in my children. I sure don't want to settle for less in my personal relationship between you and me. Because we have talked, and through this series, we have we have taken a look at the reminder, if I can keep this relationship, this vertical relationship right, then these horizontal relationships can be right. So we're trying to get into and beyond the veil. But as we read here in Exodus, I will let you know two books primarily from where we will draw text today. It is the Old Testament book of Exodus and the New Testament book of Hebrews, which seems to serve as somewhat of a commentary for these incredible pieces of furniture in the Holy of Holies. It is the mercy seat, which we will discuss here from Exodus chapter 25, when it was written that they would make a seat of pure gold. And then spoken there is that they would, they would create those cherubim, those angels that would cover the mercy seat. Those angels' wings would touch. How many of you have seen a replica of this? You've, you, you've seen this imagery. And those angels' wings, those cherubim wings would be touching. I remember being a young preacher and hearing T.F. Tenney begin to speak about those cherubim. And he was talking about at times when individuals cannot get eye to eye or in unity or in agreement on the topic. And he said we need to take our example from the cherubim that were there in the Holy of Holies. They were not even eye to eye, but they were in unity because when your focus is on mercy, it will bring you in unity even when you're not eye to eye. 
Can I tell you that we will not always be in agreement with each other, but we need to be in agreement with this Word? We will not always be in agreement even with our spouse. (gasps) You might want Wendy's. And she might want Taco Bell. She's right. Amen. One guy came up to me and said, let me ask my wife and I'll tell you what I want to do. (laughs) You're going to put a mercy seat there, but these were the important words of Exodus 25, 22. He said, I'm going to meet with you there. I'm going to meet with you there. Whenever deity meets humanity, it will always be at the point of mercy. Because I cannot get holy enough to earn His presence. But when deity and humanity come together, You feel that just about 10 minutes ago when they started singing about the name Jesus and and, and almost as if you could not contain yourself, people began to stand to their feet and, and something began sweeping through this house. It was deity and humanity. Because when we say his name, it is though we invoke mercy. His name means mercy within the Ark of the Covenant Beneath the mercy seat, there were going to be three items. I would turn your attention to the book of Hebrews, the ninth chapter. Hebrews, the ninth chapter from which we pull commentary here today. Hebrews 9 and verse 4. Which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold. Here's what was in it. The golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And there's all kinds of deep dive into when and how and where and which tables. I understand that. But I want to talk to you about what was housed beneath the mercy and what was there in the holy of holies because this series has been about a structured approach to prayer. Last week we spent a lot of time at that golden candlestick where we described the necessity of structure and oil. We've got to have both. But here we are now and we're at the mercy seat and we're there at the place where the blood would be applied and and we're looking into the ark and trying to figure out and that great writer of Hebrews God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. That's how the great writer of Hebrews started. And he's bringing us to understand. You, you need to understand what was in the ark. Because it is more than just a piece of furniture. 
but housed there inside was that golden pot of manna. And I will reveal to you each morning when I am in prayer and I come to the pot of manna that is housed under the mercy of God. I pray for a provision that only He can give for me. Because while I do not... I do not like to associate myself with the wandering wilderness Israelites. I very much fit the bill from time to time. I try to do good. I, I try to find the right way. I, I'm looking for that city, but I find myself having ups and downs and, and living with the fickleness of my own flesh. And so if it were not for the provision of God, the, the, the manna that would fall. Now we know that they murmured, but the manna fall. The greatness and the mercy of God is His provision through the murmuring. And while we look at it as the provision of God, it is also a reminder of the failure of people. It is humbling to get up under the mercy and grasp the pot of manna and recognize while I need your divine provision, it is the ready reminder that I cannot do it on my own. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not rich enough. I can't write a check and secure my way into glory. And more importantly, I cannot secure myself into the inner presence of God because of my abilities. I need the divine and daily provision of God. It is the also reminder that I've got to get a fresh word every day. Hear me right now, as your pastor, I've got to tell you, I need a word for me even when I'm not going to preach it to you. It's not just about me having a word so that I can get up and somebody might say, thank you, you blessed me today. I've got to be reminded every morning when I get up under the mercy and when I get to the ark, I've got to be reminded, I need a word from God why we need a devotion. We need a daily program. We need Bible reading. We need it to be downloaded into our spirit. And then there is that rod that budded. It's Aaron's rod that budded which was there. When I come to this, I begin to pray and I will tell you I pray unashamedly and unabashedly. I pray for miracles, signs, and wonders. Woo! Buddy, I want them. I want them in my ministry and I want them in this church. I want cancers dried up here. Yes, I do. We've got some great reports over the last few weeks of numbers from Brother Sluice and from Sister Koppel and what the Lord is doing. And I thank God for the doctors and the help that's there. And I am believing. I am believing. I'm believing for miracles like Brother Ingram got with his back. I'm believing for these that have been battling in sickness. Our prayer list is just too long repeatedly. I'm ready to see some of them walk into this building and run around this church and say, I don't know, I was sitting in my home and all of a sudden I felt a warmth begin to pour down from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I can't explain it. I wasn't on any new medicine and we're going to be able to say, I know what it was. There are miracles and there are signs and there are wonders that follow us. Brother Lasha, I believe in it. I believe we can have it. When I pick up when I pick up that rod in my time of prayer, I pick up that rod that budded. Brother Watkins, I begin to pray. I begin to seek God. The other element there that I pray for is authority. 
Not embarrassed about that at all. When I walk into a room, I plan on owning it. When I walk in, I plan on the Holy Ghost walking in with me. I don't want to be intimidated to some devil. I don't want to be intimidated by some false doctrine. I don't want to be intimidated because they got more money. I don't want to be intimidated because of what they're... This is the report of the Lord. Whose report will you believe? We believe the report of the Lord. So I pick up that rod of authority and I say, I know what the doctor said, but I know what thus saith the Lord. I know what... Somebody needs that in your life right now. The rod that budded will give you authority in your life. For some of you that don't remember this, Aaron's rod that budded was what distinguished him and gave him the obvious favor of God. His rod budded. Listen, I want everybody to prosper. I want every church to have success. But if they don't, I plan on ours having it. Here's my prayer. Let every church preach in the name of Jesus. Let every church preaching the truth. Let it, I know, I know we've been in a major pandemic and there are churches still shut down everywhere. So I'm saying, put some buds on the branch. Let it be obvious. You got to forgive me. I got to preach for a minute. Let it be obvious that there is something about this church. Let it be obvious there is something about us as believers. So that when people look at you and say, you're going to church again. Instead of them judging you because you're going again, we've got to get to a place where the miracles are so evident that they want to know when church starts. They want to... We got fresh new families showing up here every Sunday. You want to know why? Because the word is getting out. The word is getting out. If you need healing, go to Calvary. If you need your family to be delivered, go to Calvary. And I got on this the end of Wednesday night. Hell's fighting us because hell's not happy. We got people that are suffering right now because hell's not happy. Somebody needs to square your shoulders and recognize hell's not happy because we're marching forward. We're moving forward in the things of God. Clap your hands, all ye people. Come on, shout unto God with a voice of Praise God. And there, there's the tables of the covenant. I like the miracles. <laughs> miracles are fun. The law is not so much. That'd be good musical, wouldn't it? Thou shalt not. Oh. No other gods before me. Uh, okay. No graven images. Okay. Listen. There's some stuff in there that might feel outdated. 
but that we better still cling to. How about, how about, how about big five? Honor thy father and thy mother. Come on, they're in class. You ought to shout. Can I tell you something? To be honored, we got to live honorable. We got to have God in the home. Thou shalt not kill. Okay, I got that one. That's good. Some of the hunters are like, no, does that mean? No. Thou shalt not steal. Hmm. Oh, I'm not stealing. I'm not stealing. Well, are you stealing his time because you won't give in to his call? Oh, pastor, that's not what it means. How about, how about this? Don't bear false witness. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's true, but I heard. <laughs> if you don't know that it's true, and even if you do, shut your mouth. If you want to talk to somebody about it, take it to God or talk to them. Now, I'm a nightmare on this because if I find out you talk to somebody else about me, I'm coming to you. And I want to know why'd you get out of the book? Don't tell me you were trying to help me because you didn't talk to me. You talked to them. And all you, you did not sow concern, you sowed discord. And I got Bible for that. If, if you got a problem with somebody, leave your gift at the altar. Go make it right. Because we can't come in doing this. Ooh. I can't stand that. Ooh. Don't want to sit in the same section. How is heaven going to be? Like you're going to dodge them on Golden Street. Oh, there they come. Some of you... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got to get in this together. I'm, now listen, I'm going to help you right now. You might not even like them, but you got to love them. Here's what I mean by that. Their personality might just rub the wrong way. How many other people like that? For some of you, that's me. It's all right. You got you to gotta still deal with them. You got to still love them. You don't have, I'm, listen, you ain't got to get together and braid each other's hair. But you got to love them. For some of us, that would be less of a problem than others. But you've got to love them. How about this one in the Big Ten? We, we don't talk about this, but we do it all the time. Don't covet your neighbors. Don't get bent out of shape because they bought a new house. I didn't say anything to anybody except your wife. And you changed your wife's opinion of them because you spouted behind closed doors. 
I'm just try, I'm trying to get where the rubber meets the road here. Because I don't want to live at the altar. I thank God for the altar. I got to die daily. I, got, I know that. But I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get to the holy of holies. And I've got to get that, that law. I've got to get that applied to my life. Everybody say, we need it. Yes, we do. We need it. Once a year on the day of atonement, the priest would remove his usual priestly garments. He would replace them with these most holy garments that were designed specifically for this day and this act of service. Thank God we don't have a once a year church. And in case you think that sounds crazy, how many people in our lives do we know that are Easter only folks? I cannot imagine once a year. Imagine once a year. Or even the thought of, well, we can have surface church for 364. But on 365, right? We got to get up and we got to shout. He's going in. We're going to actually get redemption. We take for granted the fact that any day of the week, I mean any day of the week. There's a lot of you in here that it was a Sunday for you, but some of you it was a Monday prayer meeting. Some of you it was a Tuesday at a camp. Some of you it was a Wednesday night Bible study. A Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday evangelism. Where's Brother Sleeva? I don't know where Brother Brother Sleeva. Here's what I'm ready for. I'm ready for these Saturday prayer meetings to turn into new members walking in and showing up and us baptizing them in the name of Jesus and seeing them filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not a one day a week event. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Waiting on that glory to fill the house. How many have heard of Shekinah glory? Shekinah glory. That's that's not drawn from the text. That's not a, you're not going to find that in the KJV. Okay? Shekinah glory. I know we quote it like it is. But it was the descriptive used between the, the years, between the Old and the New Testament, the Shekinah glory. I put something on social media last year. I said, I'm afraid that our generation has become convinced that it's shh, kind of glory. As long as it looks right, gives us a couple goosebumps. We think that everything, we think everything's okay. Well, it felt good. I'm going to tell you, you go almost anywhere and it felt good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to mess with some of you right now. You can turn on pop music and it feel good. Oh, pastor. You can. But there's nothing like the presence of the Lord. Brother Brown, those kind of services, and I know I've referenced this a couple times, but I can't get away from it. Like three Sunday nights ago when we got in here. It was an obvious class. Of God's presence. In services like that, you don't have to convince people it's God. You don't have to work, I promise you, you don't have to to work to convince people He's real. I've got this vivid memory of the prom queen. I was just in high school, the prom queen. She goes running to the altar. We had her there to service. She 
beautiful young girl just there visiting church and, and, and altar call happened and, and, and she runs to the altar and she's crying and, and she comes down off of the, off the altar and she says, I don't know why I'm crying. I've just never felt this. You can't deny the presence of God. Don't we want that? The undeniable presence of God? We cannot get there without seeking after the most holy place. Turning your Bible to Hebrews chapter 6, if you will. Hebrews chapter 6. We have the promise that was given to Abraham. Who when he had no hope, trusted in hope. Verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 6. God made a promise to Abraham. And because he could swear by none greater, he swore by himself. What did he say? He said, surely. He said, I'm going to bless you. And in multiplying, I'm going to multiply you. Somebody yell out, God, let it be a multiplication. Keep going. Verse 15. And so after he had patiently endured, he received what? He obtained that promise. Go to verse 19. We have this sure, this steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil or behind the curtain. Here's my promise. Dr. Anderson, my promise is this. I don't have to stay on this side of the veil. I don't have to stay. And let me tell something to every family. Whether you've been at Calvary for five minutes or 50 years, your last name does not give you rights to the one side of the veil or the other side. No, no, no. Whether you're a new saint or a seasoned member, everybody in this place hear me clearly. You have a promise for entrance to the other side of the veil. Hebrews 9. If you have your Bible, let's go there together. Hebrews 9, verses 11 through 14. Hebrews 9. We're going to read 11 through 14. But Christ, being come in high priest of good things to come by a greater... Uh, remember we talked about this week one. Brother Hawk, we said it from the beginning. Everything was leading. It was all temporary. It was leading towards the day that John would say, Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. A greater, a more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by, come on everybody say it, His own blood. He entered in once into the holy place. 
having obtained eternal redemption. This is the gospel, folks. For us, verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more? Whew. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Everything was leading, but this was the real thing. For the first time ever, now it was no more annual sacrifice, but it was the real thing. That is why we sing about the blood. That is why we preach about the blood. That is why we get up and we say, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. It's why the old songwriters would get down and pin, I know it was the blood that saved me. One day when I was lost, he died on it. It was the blood. It was the blood. Come on, it's why he got locked up in the church and came out singing, I see a crimson stream of blood. And good church, without his blood, will be a waste of time. We can bring in the greatest singers. We can bring in the greatest musicians. We can have students from everywhere. We can have the nicest suits. We can have the most polished sermons. We can have the best lighting. We can buy, buy the best sound system. We can do it all. But if we don't have the blood of Christ... But let me tell you what I have found. We can have a tiny little church house with no good sound and no good lighting and no good singers and no good musicians, but you give them the blood of Jesus and a... Come on, I'm looking for some people. You, that was you. You didn't have much. Just a little rickety old church house. But when you walked in, somebody was preaching about the blood. Somebody was preaching about repentance. Somebody was preaching about the power of the name of Jesus. Let's do this right now. Let's lift our hands and let's lift our voices. Come on, just give him thanks for the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. It was the blood. Come on, we preached last month about the blood on the doorpost. We're leading to the blood on the seat. But we're really leading. We're really leading. I'm telling you, I don't know what you're dealing with. 
I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your history is. I don't know what maybe you're encountering right now. But I've come to tell you the blood is enough. The blood is enough. You can find mercy. I don't know what lines you've crossed. But I know what lines the blood can cover. He can cover your sin. Has anybody found that to be true? You just found out the blood. I felt worthless. I felt hopeless. I felt like I had to, but then I encountered the blood. I came in contact with the blood of Jesus. It's the blood. Woo. We're in a moment right now. I don't want us to miss it. I, I want us to praise God right now. Somebody as loud as you can, even if it's out of character for you. I want you to lift your voice and I want you to begin to praise God for the blood. Oh, thank God for the blood. What's the old song say? That wash is white. How many know you are not pure without that blood? But once I get the blood covering me, you got to get outside of his will to try to reach through the blood and talk about my past. You know why hell wants to constantly bring up things you used to do and mistakes you once made? Because he cannot stand that you have been covered by the blood. It was the answer. Remember two weeks ago when we talked about the post, that mighty God, how that wrecked havoc in hell, here he is trying to walk on the earth, set up a kingdom, but the mighty God is being born. Watch this. When you apply the blood, you remind him, greater is he, greater is he greater is he without the blood you could have me without the blood you could destroy me without the blood you could have my family but no 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 devil we got the blood of Jesus somebody shout the blood maybe seated Ooh. ha ha Anybody feel what I'm feeling? Is it? Hmm. Somebody could just wreck hell's day for your family. You could just wreck hell's day on behalf of your family. I know I was a mess, but I found mercy and I found the blood. I found the blood. I found the blood. Pastor, Pastor, what do you mean that we can get beyond the veil? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let the writer of Hebrews. I've mentioned it. Now we're going to read it. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hmm. Hebrews 10. Let's read, I don't know, 19 to 25. Come here. Give me a Bible college student that, that wants to read. Marcus, come here. 
Run up here. About to pull Brother Mooney here. It's going to be on the screen. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest of the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Stop. It was a curtain. And they were so excited to have a design. But it was temporary because it was a type. And it was a shadow of what was to come. He said, come boldly. There's a new and a living way. Through the veil. What? That is to say, his flesh. The curtain. It's the reason the veil was rent. So that they would not have a crucifixion minus an understanding. Because if you repent or part of you dies without full understanding of what's supposed to happen next. Hmm. Keep reading. Verse 20. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with Having our water. hearts, say that again, having our hearts sprinkled from what? An evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. Not just part of you. Every part of you. Your heart sprinkled from evil what? Well, I don't think with my heart. Here's the tie together. The heart and the mind. You cannot give him your heart, but keep your mind for yourself. If you're going to give him your heart, you've got to give him your thoughts. But we've got to have our bodies washed. Because I cannot give him my heart and my mind, but allow my actions to be of my own will. Not if I'm, not, is that okay? Does that make sense to you? Okay, keep reading. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one, and one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Hey, if you're going to provoke somebody, and some of you know you're good. <laughs> some of you are professional provokers. Professional Pentecostal provokers. But if you're going to provoke, provoke to good works. Read that. One more. Read one more. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Why are you trying to have church? Soon and very soon, we are going. He's coming soon. And we're not just preaching about a veil. 
we're preaching about the body. Now, when I talk about the high priest, you might think, well, I can't get beyond the veil. That was for the high priest one day a year until you recognize, no, 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 no. The veil was a type of his body. And I've understood for a long time that I'm supposed to get into the body. And when you cannot find the imagery for how you get into his body, look around. We are the body of Christ. Yes, we are. So I come through the veil and I come into the body and I come boldly as the beginning verse told. I come boldly in. I don't come in boldly because of my flesh. I come in boldly because I got my heart and my mind right and I got my body washed. Let me preach your pause right here on the whole body wash thing. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, it will absolutely change your life, but it will secure eternity. Come on. It's a part of the salvific process. But I cannot stay there because I do not get saved to stay alone. I've got, I've got God. I've got an individual covenant. You better? But if you understand anything about the, 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 the New Testament church, individual covenant was always leading to communal covenant. Always leading. For the people who say, I don't need church. Show me Bible for that. You know the assimilation right here? The assimilation, we only get, we only get this Greek twice. We only get it two places. Once is for here. The assembling together of the congregation. And it is a type and shadow of assemblage in heaven. You know why we come together here? Because we're practicing for getting together there. Yes, we are. So excuse me if when I come in here I shout, but I've made it in the veil. I've made it into the body. And Brother Marcus, it doesn't matter what your history is. It doesn't matter what your last name is. Let me show you something. Read that last verse again. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another is so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, now, if I was preaching and really trying to preach that verse, why don't you just maybe mock how you think I would do it? Be honest. Make fun of Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pull your mask down because I wouldn't wear that mask. Not when I was preaching. You just, and give it to them. How you do it? How I would do it. I'd probably yell, you know, I'm sweating. Look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of the sum is, but exhorting one another Say and that so again. much the more. What? Doing what? Exhorting one another. No, don't say it like it's a question. Exhort Exhorting one another. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Not forsaking the assembly together of ourselves. No, 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 no. I'll probably throw one of those in there. <laughs> as the manner of some is who think church is a waste of time. You think church is a waste of time? No, sir. They don't think it matters. But I don't worship them based on what God did for me. I worship Him based on what He did for me. Yes, sir. Exhorting one another. Now listen, I'm doing something on, on purpose. When I say it a certain way, I understand that our, it is our response to be like, oh... But whatever I add to it, 
You need to know something. If he reads it as monotone as he wants to, as long as you believe it, read it as monotone as you want to. Read it again. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting I've heard that preacher. Here's the deal. Brother Marcus, if you really believe it, it's not how you say it, it's whether or not you live it. It's not how you... I'm not asking if you're an exuberant worshiper. I'm just wondering, do you believe the text? Do you believe that without him I wouldn't be here? But I found him, and so I'm walking in the veil, and I'm coming boldly, and I'm coming in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. Praise God. Thank you. Give him a hand. He did a good job. Stand with me. Stand with me. We, 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 we come into the holy of holies. We come here into this inner place. And what do we say? We say, oh God, we got to have your mercy. Oh God, we've got to have your grace. What is the purpose? It is transformation. Because I cannot get into the holy of holies and feel okay to be sinful, fleshly. When I get into the holy of holies, tears often begin to well up. That mercy seat is there. The, the cherubim are there. Some of you are going to understand this. This, when I'm praying, this, this place, this most holy place, this most, it's where I begin to plead the blood over my family. It's where I cry, don't leave them on the other side of the veil. Bring them into the body. How many got that prayer for some family? Bring them into the body. Bring them in to the body. It's the power of revelation. But the pattern, the pattern, the pattern is boldness. I got to come humbly, but we talked about that last week. I, I, I got to come humbly, but, but I've got to come boldly into the presence of God. 